You are listening to the Hopeful Gardener podcast with me, Anastasia Ackers. This podcast forms part of Outside Lives' brand new project, Singing in the Rain, looking at how we as a society view dementia and what changes we can make to all become more dementia aware. Joining me for these interviews is the powerhouse that is Teresa Davis. Since being diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 59, she has travelled the length and breadth of the country, speaking at conferences as a means to highlight the importance of lived experience when it comes to talking about dementia. In today's episode, we are sitting down to chat with author Anne Scott and her daughter Evie. Anne has written a book called Sizzling Bacon and she set about writing it because of the lack of material when it comes to understanding dementia, especially to younger children. Enjoy! So, um, in terms of your brand new book, Anne, which has just been published this week, which is so incredibly exciting, seeing it on sale in so many different places. And um, we're also going to pop the link to where people can buy this from in the description. Um, so if people can head there and check it out as well and get yourselves a copy, copy that would be brilliant. Um, but yeah, in terms of the book, so what were your main inspirations um, and how much of your real life is sort of inspired um inspired the characters of evie and mummy well um quite a lot of it is based around our real life um several years ago i was diagnosed with cerebral vascular atherosclerosis which is a bit of a mouthful mm. and then i was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and a year later fibromyalgia and lived a gap for three years and had a very sad time coming to terms with it all and um, couldn't find any help on the internet about what I needed. There was some information all those years ago, but not a great deal. So I eventually joined a dementia organisation and started writing articles and speeches and things on the internet and so on. Um, and got really involved with all of that. And then three years after the diagnosis, the neurologist changed the diagnosis to chronic small vessel disease and said that I didn't actually have dementia. So whether mm-hmm. I have it in the future or not will depend on how many brain lesions I actually get in the, in the long run. But during all this time, um, my elder daughter was my carer and then Evie is my carer now. And they have helped me a great deal through it all. But I, it was more to do with having the children and realising that there's so little information. And every like conference I went to or meeting I went to, you know, I would say to them, well, you know, where's all the information for children who's dealing with this, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle? And most people just say, well, we don't know. We haven't considered that side of it. You know, that was several years ago. I mean, they have a lot more information now. So um, time went on and I just thought, I can't believe this like this. So I wrote the book for my children, for Evie and Tiana, mostly for Evie, because Evie was only small whenever I was diagnosed as 12 now. 
but I wrote the book for Evie um, so that she would understand because at her age she knew I was ill but she didn't understand what a lot of the symptoms mm -hmm. was and as Teresa will tell you or anybody with dementia it's the memory problems is, can be quite bad but the memory problems you can have that with the MCI or the multiple sclerosis or fibromyalgia or mm -hmm. any brain disease so even though the book relates to dementia it could be used for any other illness as well that involves mm. a problem. So I just want the EVD to understand all of that and know where a lot of my symptoms was coming from and how to deal with it. And then whenever I wrote the book, um, I just thought one day, you know, I've wrote this book and I've read it to Evie. She's enjoyed it. She's laughed through it. You know, she likes the characters in it. So I just thought, I'm going to send it to a publisher and see what happens. If they don't like it, fine. And if they do, well, then that's great. And I got a few replies back and then decided to go with the publisher that I went with. I remember hearing that when you got re-diagnosed. Yes. You were very upset, weren't you? That, mm -hmm. I was. You know, as you know, Teresa, whenever you get diagnosed, you lose a certain part of your life and everything changes. But yeah. Then you out like you and you make all new friends, you build a whole new life. Yeah. And then whenever that diagnosis is taken away again, you've lost all them new friends again and you're back to being on your own and starting to create a new mm. life again. And I just thought, if this has happened to me, it's happening to other people as well, a change the diagnosis. And I just thought I'm going to be open and honest about this and want to put it out there for everybody. And I did get quite a lot of people coming to me and saying, look, you know, this has happened to me, but I didn't know what to say or what to do. I'm glad that you have said this now. Yeah. But, you know, because some people are weary of a change of diagnosis in case people think, right, well, you know, you weren't even telling the truth in the first place. Mm. that's not the case I mean lots of people as you know Tracy get their diagnosis changed I mean and even whenever I seen my neurologist and he changed mine mm. I was shocked and I said to him well look can I have this in writing because I don't want people coming to me and saying you know you made this up or this isn't true so I, he did he actually wrote me a letter about yeah. it and I still have it so yeah I, I remember at the time you saying you felt because you'd done a lot hadn't you with like you know with bringing awareness about dementia and telling your story mm -hmm. and i remember you saying you felt a bit of a fraud yeah mm -hmm. and should you continue sort of and we were all saying yes you, you know yeah because the way i looked at it was I was told I had an illness, and anybody mm. that's told yes. by a neurologist or consultant specialist that they have this illness, you believe them. You have no reason yeah. to them. And especially in my case, because I had the MS and the fibromyalgia, which mm. both cause problems in your body and problems with yeah. your memory and your tiredness and so on. So I had no reason to doubt the neurologist. No. And I do have the brain lesions. I have multiple yes. sclerosis brain lesions and a bit vascular brain lesions. So, you know, but people are generally sometimes don't believe you. No. And I have done, as you said, an awful lot of work for um, a dementia organization over here and some other places. Mm. And whenever this all stopped, the diagnosis changed. 
I was stopped doing it as well. But I know. people that did say, because I discussed this with everybody, and some organizers says, no, well, you haven't got the diagnosis anymore, so you can't. But to me, I lived with it. I know what it was like, even though it's changed. Yeah. I believed I had that for the three years and was told and so on. But the organizations that did was Dementia Diaries. They kept me on and kept my work yeah. on and Because it's all so similar, isn't it? Yes. The Dementia Alliance you know. International kept it on too. Yeah. And they just said it doesn't matter because you've still got the memory problems, you've still got the brain lesions. Yeah still had the lived experience so we're keeping you but yeah. the organization is different but yeah it was a very hard time to go through yeah. and very hard to put that up on the internet and have people judging you knowing that maybe something yeah. would be very nice but it happens mm -hmm. to a lot of people so yeah just how you move forward with it all isn't it mm. yeah. my daughter has fibromyalgia yes. and Sometimes she says to me, I'm sure I've got dementia, Mum. Because yeah. mm -hmm. she gets that foggy brain. Yeah. And she'll say to me, remind me to do this. I say, you're asking someone with dementia to remind me. <laughs> exactly. Oh. So many of them conditions have memory problems. Yeah. Whenever that easy fogginess comes down and you just yes. don't remember anything, you know. <laughs> so it's easy for somebody to get a wrong diagnosis, but especially whenever they have got the brain lesions because it's just it's at the level where they've got the brain lesions but as you know if they progress and get bigger the more chance there is of developing the dementia but yes you know it just depends the long run how many you get it sounds like both of you are you know in terms of annual writing your poetry and everything and Teresa, your creative activities your crafting your knitting it feels like there's quite a lot of um happiness to be found in those creative projects that almost take your mind elsewhere in, and then in terms of you know when when you started writing the book and did you kind of already have the story fully formed or were there little bits that you sort of started with first almost well i think whenever you're diagnosed with something everything changes um you see things differently you take more mm -hmm. time um your whole perspective on things change do you know i mean i love getting up first thing in the morning and it's quiet and it's fresh and the birds and you just take everything everything's just so much nicer and i think everybody that gets a serious illness diagnosed mm. does have some of that do you know where they start to see everything differently and taking more time out and then with the book um you know i had to think how can i explain this to children and I thought, I remember something sprung into my mind one day about snowflakes all being unique. So I went and Googled that and found out all about snowflakes and then started writing that part of the book. And then I put in the snowman and then Sizzling Bacon was in the book. But Sizzling Bacon just, he just took over. He just, <laughs> he became the book. You know, it, that wasn't my intention. I just went with the flow and he just seemed to get his own character and his own personality and he just became more and more in the book you know so i didn't set out to write it that way i just went with the flow you know so and i think that's why it's 
so good. So I think because you've gone with the flow and it's not what you sort of intended, mm -hmm. it's made it more real and natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the hardest thing about writing the book was trying to make it because I wanted it for children, but I also mm -hmm. wanted it for adults as well. Um, and the hardest bit was trying to try and have those wee funny wee bits and something that was quite light for children that didn't frighten them. Yeah. But also have it suitable for adults to be able to read as well. Mm -hmm. Because I have been contacted by somebody who said that they'd read the book and they thought it was fantastic because both their parents had dementia and yeah. one was um or a temper temperament wasn't affected at all but the other one the dad was affected and with bad tempers and so on and she says mm. they didn't understand it at the time why and it was very frightening and she says it's only now all those years later after reading the book that she understands why dementia yeah. happens and why different people have the different symptoms and so on mm. so it was quite hard to do it in that respect to be suitable for everybody but even the way the book's written as well um i put a, a post up on the internet to say the because the the suggested the blue pages and the writing on it so yeah. i put a post up to see and everybody came back and said no we can read this fine so then i asked the, the publishers if they could space the writing all out so there wasn't too much overload on the one page and so on. So there was quite a lot of um, effort put into the book. Yeah, yeah. I love how evocative that name is because when you hear the word sizzling bacon, like you can almost taste it, you can smell it. It it, it sort of conjures <laughs> those images, doesn't it? But then it's like with the starting at the beginning of like, oh, I really want to eat this to like, oh, no, I don't want to eat him. He's really nice. <laughs> I want him to be my friend. So did you find sort of when you were having like your writing days and things and shaping sort of this story and um, did you follow sort of a set structure or was it a bit more like okay i feel like i need to do something now i'm gonna run with the flow on this take a sort of a break or um i sort of did it whenever the notion took me just and you know because i was writing it for the children so i had no set time limit um i do like doing the dementia diary so i would have done that or followed Facebook a bit and talked to other people with dementia, just so that you're still talking and being in that frame of mind. And then I would have just sat down and wrote for a wee while and just said the story just, you'd be sitting writing one minute and then your brain would jump to something else and you'd go, oh, that's a good idea, I'll put that in. And then you have to scroll back and put it in someplace else or you'd wake it up in the middle of the night and you think, oh, that was a really good idea. And you write that down for the next day so that you don't forget, because I never remember. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But no, I didn't have a set pattern around. I just done it when and if I was in the mood to do it. But, you know, with having EB and everything else to do, it was a more of a part-time project than anything. Mm. To do a dementia diary tomorrow about speaking to you tonight. All oh, right, I'll transcribe it for you. I'll <laughs> <Okay. more> transcribe <laughs> I like transcribing the diaries, you know. I do. I've transcribed a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're really yeah. good. So it's nice to do it. Yeah. 
And you're having the um, Christmas Zoom thing shortly too. Oh, I know. Yeah, I got. <laughs> That's gonna be good. Yeah, we can put the link to the Dementia Diaries and things as well in this. So anybody listening at the minute, check out the description. Um, yeah. The link for the Dementia Diaries are in there because there's so many yeah. contributors, isn't there? So yeah. much beautiful, beautiful stuff on there. You could try to be a transcriber, Stacey. I could, yeah. I could. I quite enjoy transcribing, you know. It's quite um, a nice yeah. thing to sit there and do, isn't it? And like, yeah. Listen. Just go on the, the link. Amazing. You just, yeah. I'm going to write that down. I'm making a note here. <laughs> You're recruiting, Teresa. I did. <laughs> You're recruiting everybody. <laughs> Transcribing <laughs> angel, fairy. That's what they call them. So, Evie, in terms of um, sort of you and your hobbies and things, are you creative as well? Do you enjoy writing or poetry or painting and things? Um, I don't really write, but I do like to paint as well. Like for my art homework or for art, I like really do enjoy painting and stuff i think certainly during lockdown i found like going to sort of engage in artistic stuff and sitting there writing something has been sort of really mm. quite a nice thing to do and you don't need a lot of equipment to do it you can just like sit there with some stuff and yeah see what comes out haven't you been doing watercolor in trees have you been yes with them yeah. um, lady called Frances Isaac because it's a, a, a project called Dementia Craftivism I can't say it Craftivism and they have sessions an hour a week um, there's a Gail Gregory she does, she does card making and very talented and Francis has been showing us how to do watercolouring. And and I found I'm doing things that I've never done before that I didn't think I could do. You know, like the painting. I can't even draw. But because um, I've put my mind to it, I think. And some of them have been really good. I've seen a lot of them on the internet. Yeah everybody's doing and some of them have been really really good was it you that done the wee robin the bird no that was uh gail gail gregory uh -huh. yeah she so did the robin really good and then it's cards you're making at the minute isn't it yeah cards and she did um i'll just get it and show you she showed us a different way to wrap presents right. oh wow I'm a bit of a nightmare when it comes to wrapping presents. So, I'm usually terrible. Yeah, but... Oh, that's nice. Oh. It's just with wool, and I've done some in green wool. And it's so it looks like a, a Christmas tree. Yeah, 
and I put some bells on the top there. <laughs> really clever. Yeah. Mine, I mean, it's not, not as good as Gail's, but for me, that's really good. <laughs> Very nice. It's lovely. It's lovely stuff. Um, so I was, I know when we were chatting about the book, and you've mentioned that possibly there's a bumblebee in a future story. Is that underway <laughs> at the minute? Because I'm very excited by the prospect of this bumblebee. <laughs> um, next book is wrote. It is just not tidied up yet. It has to be tidied and a few more dementia facts put into it. And yes, there is a bumblebee in it. Um, cool. Mum sort of brings bumblebee. I'm not going to say too much, but mum has a lot to do with Bumblebee's character. Um, and there's also a lot of archery in it as well. Wow. So, because mm -hmm. he here does archery. So that's where I got the idea for the archery in the next book. Oh, so, amazing. Um, yeah, the next book is... Um, I don't know how to explain it. The next book... <laughs> <laughs> It's finished basically it's finished so it just has to be tidied and sent to the yeah. publishers now and see if they'll accept this one or not and then get that one out there too. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds really exciting and like archery as well. That's such an incredible hobby. Like um I used to work at a few castles and so we'd have archers at the castles, but in terms of my skills, I'm just a bit not very good, but do you really enjoy it, do you, Evie? Yeah, I love doing it so much because now I'm in the um the oh, the like archery Northern Elm Academy with like yeah like Olympic coaches and stuff. So I'm in that, and it makes it really it makes it like a lot more interesting to do, and it's like such a fun thing to do. Oh wow! Amazing. I remember having a go at it oh years ago. It's really you must have big muscles on your arms. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it, to pull that bow back? And the thing about well, it, I found it, it was whenever she's shooting at the target and she's hitting the target in the centre, and I'm sitting squinting, I can't even see the target. The <laughs> And she's sitting in the middle, and I'm like, how do you do that? I have to get my phone out and swim my phone in to see where the arrow goes. <laughs> yeah, it is easy, but you're right about the muscles as well. She's a lot of exercises to do, to build yeah. the muscles and so on. But it be a hard sport to do, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, well done. She's a ball right at my hand. So <laughs> I'll have to have a go sometime. So, yeah, Avi's artistic abilities is more towards that direction, isn't it? Yeah. You're more an outside person yeah. than an outdoorsy person. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. You are as well, Teresa, aren't you, in terms of like the outdoors and things? You're very... Oh, yeah, I love outdoorsy. being outdoors. Yeah. Nothing like archery, just digging, I am. <laughs> Digging up hard, frosty ground. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <sighs> yeah, I just love being outside. And since I've had my diagnosis, like Anne said, you tend to 
I notice I stop and look and listen to things more. It's like I'm taking it all in while I can, appreciating it, you know. Yeah. I think you slow down a bit. I think you just... Um, Appreciate the importance of not rushing through the day, yeah. you know, and just taking time to see what's around you and enjoy it. And have more yeah. empathy for other people as well, you know. Mm. More, you just see how pretty everything is more than what you did before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of the book and um, some of the discussions that you hope that might come from it, are there any particular things that you hope young people take away from it or indeed that their parents do? Um, yeah, what conversations do you hope that it inspires? The thing that me and that my family came across through all of this was that there was so little information that a lot of people didn't really understand and as mm. children have no one to talk to because none of their peers know anything about this illness and it wasn't until Evie got involved with um, Bernardo's Young Children's Services and they were able to come out and talk to her and tell her about all the illnesses they had done courses and stuff and all of this and they really helped her to understand it all um, but so any young hers out there, you know, if you haven't seen mm. Bernardo's before now, do it because they are a fantastic service. Um, so I would just like everybody to be able to talk more for it to open mm. up the, the conversation in the first place. I find that a lot of people will talk to their friends, other relatives, but they never talk to the children. And the children know there's something going on because they miss absolutely nothing. Yeah. Know what it is, and then that will heighten the fear because they know something's wrong but not understand it. Mm. So we haven't opened up those conversations at the start, and there is the fun characters in the book to help the parents explain it. Mm. Lots of stuff in the book, maybe even about how your brain works. Some children might not totally understand how that works, how your brain does control all your mm. thoughts and so on. So even to open those conversations that the parents can explain that to very young children would uh. be really good. And for the person just, um, for whoever's reading it, for the children, you know, to say, to understand through the book that it is still about love, it's about friendship, that the person is still there and get to know the person, see the person, you know, uh. don't get lost in all, you know, the illnesses and what could happen and what might happen on down the road. Just accept it for now and you know see the fun times and enjoy the fun times yeah so yeah. important to have that and for the child as well to be able to carry on those relationships and not always see the person who is somebody who is ill but it's still your mummy your daddy your granny your granda all those different aspects of it mm. yeah that sounds like something you said yeah. quite a bit isn't it Teresa that you like you've still got a life to live, like you're still here. Yes. You're still the same person. You, you know, you do things 
to have your challenges, don't you? But you can work your way around them. Well, you find ways of working around them. Yeah. But, um, and you'd have heard of Chris Roberts, you, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, because yeah. he's a big, does a lot. Um, when he first got diagnosed, his daughter, I think she'd have been this, about the same age as Evie, yeah. and she was saying there was no one for her to talk to and so she told her teacher and he just the teacher just sort of said oh well you know yes I would oh, well, believe that because it happened you know, to my children too and then somebody just just didn't believe my daughter no. she was in school and you know the other thing about the book is like whenever as I said, there was no information out there at all. And there's still very little information. Mm. And a lot of the books is quite like the smaller age group picture books, whereas less of the chapter book and goes into a bit more detail. So I just find, even for in schools, for children, yeah. you know, it would be fantastic if in the long run they would start doing an education program in schools for children, for like dementia. Because yeah. even if they used, like, done a course around dementia and made it compulsory reading part of their curriculum mm. and used the book in it for children yeah. to play and to other people, then those children would know that they had somebody to talk to, it would understand it, and not just mm. about dementia, but once you understood that, you'd understand a lot of other illnesses too. And the children are the ones that's going to be dealing with this. And parents are yeah. getting younger, the illness is getting, you know, more people that are quite younger being diagnosed. Yeah. So it does affect an awful lot of children. Yeah. Going to school, we done. Um, we went into a school a few years ago and done a talk with them about dementia and done, you know, blindfold them and done the food yeah. test and I mean they were all fantastic. They took every bit of it in. Not one yeah. of them was scared. They went on then later on to volunteer in the local dementia home, and they all thought it was amazing. So, I mean, some people think, you know, children don't need to know this, but children do need to know it because it's their lives and it's a, it's building a fear on them everywhere you turn. Yeah. Dementia. And especially now with COVID and all, I mean, people yeah. are dealing through COVID and dementia on top of it. Mm. And some people don't really even understand how dementia works and how to help people with dementia mm -hmm. and you know, whereas the book, if we had this out for children to read and a lot more of them got to know about, it would become second nature to them and they're more accepting and they yeah. have the same fears because they don't yeah. read all the stories. And the book does only go into minor, um, the book only goes into minor sides of the dementia. It doesn't go into the later stages because uh, that would maybe come a bit more in later books. But for the minute, it's an introductory to dementia, and I think yeah. children should know about it because they are the ones going to be dealing with it. Yeah, um, and the majority of children, anyway, would would know someone yeah. who's got dementia, whether it's a mum, dad, mm -hmm. uncles, grandparents. Yeah. I think the majority would know somebody with dementia. Mm -hmm. 
Well, whenever you think of all the millions of people in the mm -hmm. world have been diagnosed with it, there's yeah. somebody in their street that has it, and probably yeah. an auntie and uncle or parent, you know. Yeah. They're always going to come across somebody with it. And if they don't come across that, there's so many other illnesses, as I said earlier on, with the multiple sclerosis, Huntington's, fibromyalgia, all have yeah. problems. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, even some people with cancer have memory problems too. You know, people that do the menopause have memory problems. So, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things that yeah. I just think children should be made aware of. Yeah, definitely. And it's as you say, you know, yeah. in terms of like children do pick up on everything. Like I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old and they are essentially Sherlock Holmes when it comes to anything. They are like detectives. So <laughs> anything that can sort of inspire those big conversations and can um, and like enable children to grow up knowing about specific things, knowing how to talk about those things and how to relate to the people in the, their lives that are potentially living with those conditions as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like in this book that has such potential to do it, I think in the characters of Sizzling Bacon and the snowman um, and Twinkie and Daisy the snowflake um, and that the, some of the beautiful imagery and scenes, I think children are really going to respond to it and really, yeah. I feel like Sizzling Bacon might be like a new hero for our age. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for mine. To, I'll have to order it tomorrow. And um, I can't wait to give it to Emily, my granddaughter, to read. Although she does understand a lot now, cause, but she'll love it. Yeah. yeah. You can write a wee message on it for her from, from Granny for Christmas or something, the wee Christmas. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And you can read it to her. I remember my grandma being amazing when I small and we absolutely loved it. Mm. You know, just having your granny sitting there cuddling up reading with you. Yeah, because when I was first telling her about my diagnosis, mm -hmm. um, I told her, you know, I'm still your nanny and you can still come to me. Um, any problems, you know, I'm still here. And, and then there was... An episode on Emmerdale where, is it Ashley, the vicar? Mm -hmm. He had dementia and he died. Yeah. Well, she was in, mm -hmm. she was in bits, yes. my daughter said. She was saying, you said Nanny wouldn't die of Alzheimer's and he's died, you know. And then we have to that quite a lot for the program, and it did scare some people. So yeah, especially a child when they don't have that full understanding of what it really is that they're dealing with. Yeah, so that's have a you know explain to her and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, have to yeah. Them whenever it's like that, don't you? Need it. Something comes on TV and it's totally unexpected, and you're not you know expecting to see that, and then yeah. The upset over it, but yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's,
description as well so we'll link to Bernardo's Young Carers um, I know in our counties we have two groups operating here as well which are just an incredible sort of organisation um, and we can also um, obviously pop in all the links to the book as yeah. I say yeah. I, I thought I'd pre-ordered it when mm-hmm. it was first being advertised but unless I thought I I meant to do it and then I'd forgotten to do it. Or, or, but I'll definitely order it tomorrow. <laughs> we can snap some pictures with our copies, can't we? And we can yeah. send them in as well. So, yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd be lovely stuff. <laughs> um, so, is there, before we do a little snippet um, of the book itself, is there anything else? you ladies would like to chat about um is there anything that you think we need to mention um evie potentially do you have any uh, messages for any of the young carers out there that might be listening to this um who potentially might not be involved with bernardo's um but who might want to be uh, well i think it's important to talk to whoever you're caring for and to say what you're feeling and like to know that they're also still a person and they're always like still gonna be there for you. Um like always like try and like try and have and try and get some like time for yourself as well. That's yeah. important. So you're not like well, it's still important to care for whoever it is, but like get some time for yourself as well. Because that's also important. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, Anne and Evie and Teresa, you've been inspirational this evening. Um, and coming up after this will be the little snippet of sizzling bacon. As I said, head to the links in the chat. I stare at your face to see the love enshrined, but glimmers of hope remain entwined. You're shrouded in happiness and tears from the past, your troubles a burden, too heavy a task. As I witness your pain, I strive to remain, but all my attempts are to no avail. Resolution has sprung, my dreams washed away, as anguish and torment now roam and play. My heart beats strong, but my head's in a haze, whilst I sit alone in this desolate place. My brain is withered, and our time now short. Let's cherish each other till the day we part. No time to miss, no time to waste, of the precious memories we both did make. So come sit down and let's embrace, from dusk till dawn we shall recall. My time has come, I am lost in the haze. I have no way out of my final maze. My eyes do not sparkle, my heart does not sing, our memories now lost to oblivion. But know in my soul you will forever remain, guarded and cherished till we meet once again. So don't be sad, smile through your tears, 
let the memories within have free reign. You will see my smile and remember my laugh. The happiness you once knew, again you shall have. Your dreams will run wild and you will dance again. As here by your side, a loving angel, I shall remain. The other thing I would like everybody to take away from the, the story is the love that's in it. You know, the love that comes through from the child and the mother and the empathy that is shown in the book. And that for everybody, there's a wee passage that I wrote in the book and it was a wee message to everybody who's dealing with dementia. And it just simply says, to those traveling the dementia path, may you find happiness in the darkness. And that's what's meant by that. Just remember that the love is always there. Evie woke up from her lovely sleep and wondered to herself why she could not smell the delicious aroma of lovely hot sizzling bacon wafting up the stairs to her. And more importantly, why were her bedclothes so heavy? Evie could not understand why her cosy bed had suddenly become so uncomfortable. Evie tried to move her little legs, but she had to struggle really hard to move them even a tiny bit. And when she did, she heard loud clunking noises. Evie was terrified. She could not understand why her cosy blue fluffy blanket could suddenly be so heavy. She felt frightened and wondered if some sort of huge ugly monster had eaten all of her lovely sizzling bacon to make him so heavy and then creeped in and was now sitting on her bed watching her maybe waiting to eat her too. Evie was so glad that she had her lovely fluffy blanket pulled right up to her little button nose and the monster would not be able to see her. As Evie had these thoughts, she lay very still. Her heart was beating so fast she could hear it in her ears. Evie was too scared to move or to look just in case the monster was real and snarled with his huge teeth at her. But Evie knew she had to get out of bed as it was Christmas Eve and she didn't want to waste a second of the day. Evie decided she would need to be very brave so she clutched the blue fluffy duvet even tighter around herself and shouted in a very loud voice there is no such thing as monsters monsters do not exist i do not believe in monsters i'm going to close my eyes tightly and when i open them you will be gone as she did this evie, evie bravely opened one eye and peeped over her duvet. Looking down the bed, she discovered all of last night's dinner dishes, all the pots and pans, 
all of the knives and forks, all of the plates and cups were all sitting on her bed. Evie let out a loud relieved laugh. <laughs> her little heart was still pounding from fear of the monster being real. But she knew that was silly. There wasn't any monster at all. It was just mummy putting the dishes away. But she must have forgotten where they stayed and she had put them all away in the wrong place. Evie giggled to herself. She was so glad it had only been the two of them for dinner last night or her little legs would have been very tired carrying all the pots and pans, all the knives and forks and all the plates and cups back down to the kitchen. Evie gingerly got out of bed as she didn't want to smash anything and as she did, she thought how much she loved her mummy and wondered what they would be doing that day. Evie thought her mummy would probably be busy in the kitchen cooking the lovely sizzling bacon or wrapping Christmas presents like she did every year. Evie sniffed the air and wondered why she could not smell the delicious aroma of sizzling bacon floating upstairs to her. She took a great big sniff and wriggled her little nose. No, she definitely could not smell sizzling bacon. Evie suddenly thought of the monster again and wondered if it had eaten all the bacon. But then she gave another little giggle and told herself not to be so silly. Of course there was no monster, and of course the monster had not eaten her lovely sizzling bacon. But then Evie wondered why, if the monster had not eaten the lovely sizzling bacon, she could not smell it and she felt a little bit sad. Evie had always loved waking up to the smell of sizzling bacon wafting up the stairs. Evie's mummy had always spoiled her on Sundays and school holidays with a lovely cooked breakfast. The smell had always made her want to bound out of bed and rush down the stairs and so with a disappointed look on her little face and a rumbling tummy Evie decided that she would go and see what mummy was doing. Evie thought that maybe they would be going shopping for presents and the thoughts of monsters and all the lovely sizzly bacon was soon forgotten. Evie bounded down the stairs in her usual two-at-a-time way that her mummy had always shouted at her for doing. But this morning she was just too excited to think about that. Evie ran to her mummy's lovely bright red kitchen. Evie's mum never used to like bright colours, but now she loved them. She had told Evie that it cheered her up and made seeing things easier for her 
as her eyesight was not as good as it used to be. Evie found her mummy searching all the cupboards, shaking her head and tutting to herself. Evie suddenly remembered all the pots and pans, all the knives and forks, and all the plates and cups were still on her little bed. So Evie charged back upstairs and brought them down, all the pots and pans, all the knives and forks, and all the plates and cups. Evie's mummy looked at Evie in and asked where on earth she had found them. So Evie explained that she had woken up and felt something heavy on her bed and thought it was a big scary monster who had eaten all the lovely sizzling bacon until she creeped over the top of her duvet and realised it was just dishes. Evie's mummy said, you do know there is no such thing as monsters and there is definitely no such thing as guzzling, sizzling, bacon, eating monsters, don't you, Evie? Evie and her mummy laughed out loud so hard until they were bent over holding their tummies and their faces started to hurt. Evie suddenly noticed that although her mummy was laughing hard, she also looked excited and wondered what her mummy was up to. Evie guessed her mummy must have had a surprise for her. Evie could always tell when her mummy was up to something, as she was a smart child. Her teachers had told her so.